Welcome to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm your host, Associate Editor Hannah Bubser. There are many generational elements to the automotive aftermarket. Shop ownership may span generations in a family, or there may be multiple members of different generations working in a shop at once. This then leads into other components of running a shop as well, such as customer relationships, marketing on social media, and even the inner dynamics of teamwork. To learn more, I spoke with Sarah Frazier from Haas Performance Consulting. Uh, can you just tell our listeners about yourself and about Haas Performance Consulting? Um, my name is Sarah Frazier. I'm the Vice President of Business Development and Client Services for Haas Performance Consulting. Um, we coach independent automotive repair business owners. Um, so we do a lot of business management. Uh, we also help with social media and we help with hiring management as well. Um Started out, I've been around the automotive industry my whole life, grew up around it as a kid. My dad owned a shop. Um, And then as an adult, kind of ended up in the industry by chance. Um, I had actually been working in retail for a long time, had been a store manager for a Blockbuster video, thought that was my career path. As we all know, Blockbuster video (laughs) does not stick around. So becoming a district manager and going in that path didn't work out for me. Um, Ended up taking a part-time job at a used car dealership and service center that part-time job, which started at like five to 10 hours a week, turned into a 45 hour a week career. We went from a shop where it was a one-man business where he did everything from buying the cars, working on the cars, selling the cars to by the time I left, I think we had a staff of 15. We had taken over another building. Um, and so I learned everything about the business. By the time I left, I could do anything except for actually fix a car. So I was able to do financing. I was able to do sales. I did all of the office managing stuff. I did payroll, all of those things. So got to learn a lot in a very hands-on environment and then um, left there and just wanted to do something a little bit different. And so I joined Haas Performance Consulting, um, started out in doing mostly social media and then have just kind of grown from there. I get to go out and, and speak a lot at conferences and I like to talk on topics such as millennials and generation Z, um, business culture, all sorts of things like that. And then, um, our newest project that we've taken on over the past year has been helping out with hiring. So doing, you know, writing really good job ads and doing interviews and going through resumes and helping shops find talent for them. That is the right fit for them. And that the shop is the right fit for the employee as well. So, um, gotten to be very hands-on in that part of the, the job as well. Awesome. Thanks. I am curious to hear your thoughts about multi-generational workforces. Uh, You mentioned that a little bit in your last answer there too, just how I I think that's really applicable to the automotive aftermarket, just because as quick loop operators and owners are getting older, reaching retirement age, younger people are coming into the industry a little bit more frequently. You know, we've got a lot of generations working with each other in these shop areas across the aftermarket. So what do you think is important for shops to know about navigating this multi-generational work dynamic? Um, I think the most important thing is honestly, let go of the stereotypes. We all kind of have this preconceived notion 
oh, they're a millennial, they're going to be entitled. Oh, that's a baby boomer. They're going to be stuck in their ways. Or, you know, we've all heard the different stereotypes that go with the generations. And honestly, it's embrace the differences and learn to respect each other and what we all bring to the table and really get to know people and um, how their past experiences may affect the way that they look at things now and why they might prefer something like security and stability over flexibility or transparency, where you might have another employee where transparency and flexibility are the thing that they need the most, or just looking at, you know, being a boss and this employee might want somebody who's more of a coach or a mentor where this employee really just wants me to be the boss. Um, you know, and, and understanding those differences, learning about the individuals and learning how we can adapt to that and work together. Um, you know, if we just kind of go with this, well, this is how we've always done it. We're not growing and we're not learning. And especially when we're looking at Generation Z coming in and, you know, they definitely have this more work smarter, not harder mentality where you have a, a baby boomer who looks at a, a hard day of work as being a lot of long hours. I put in a 10 hour day. So that was a really hard day of work. But you may have Gen Z only do a couple hours of work, but they're like, I still did a really hard day. Of work. I did a lot of stuff. I accomplished a lot, you know, and being able to learn from them and and understand that they might do things differently, but they might actually have a better way of doing it and just being open to trying things differently. And if it works great, and if it doesn't, at least you tried it. Um, and then, you know, just communication styles, understanding this employee might want a phone call. They want might want a voicemail. This employee is not going to respond well to that. They want a text message. They want to be involved in something on Slack, those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I think the number one thing is it's really letting go of those stereotypes and getting to know your people um, and and kind of what they prefer and how they work best. And taking that same sort of thought approach to when these shops are marketing to, to customers and, and working with customers of different generations, um, what do you think is important for shops to know about providing services, marketing to millennials and Gen Z, just how can they approach that, uh, you know, working with these younger generations coming into their shops to get services? So uh, this is one of my favorite classes I teach is actually um, what I want from an automotive repair shop as a millennial, because kind of got sick of listening to other people tell me what millennials wanted. And I'm like, I am a millennial. I know what, what my peers and I are looking for. And so I kind of sat down and and I interviewed some of my friends and I, I made a whole list of all the things that was like, what would my ideal experience be like in taking my car in for an oil change or taking my car in for service? Um, number one, I want to be able to book online. If I cannot book appointment online, I'm never coming in to see you. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to pick up the phone and call. It's just, you know, I don't even pick up the phone to call for my vet appointments, for my hair appointments, anything anymore. It's all done online. So if I can't make an appointment online, I've already moved on to the next, um, the next person offering the same service. The other thing I would say is have reviews. Make sure that you have a lot of reviews. If you don't have a lot, start asking for them because that's where I'm going to look first and foremost before I even go to book that appointment. I'm going to go online and I'm going to look at whether it's Google or Yelp or Facebook, wherever you're getting your reviews, that's what I'm going to look for. I'm going to look for how you're responding to people. I'm not expecting that all your reviews are going to be glowing and perfect, right? I know that we can't please everybody. Um, so when you have that person that leaves the one-star bad review, I'm really looking at how did you respond to that? Like, how did you 
Um, and this is what I like to tell our clients, you know, when you get that bad review, um, you have to respond to it. You can't ignore it, first of all. Um, but also don't respond to it like you're talking to the person who left it because that person might never even come back and read your response. It's all your prospective customers that are out there thinking about whether or not they're going to do business with you that are reading that. So really write it to that customer who's trying to make that decision. Um, I think other things that I think really help when you're trying to market to millennials and Generation Z is embracing technology. You know, are you utilizing something like an app? Are you utilizing DVI? Um, I think sending photos is a great thing that we can offer. Um, I do have one tip to add to that. So let's say I, I bring my car in and you're like, hey, you need new brakes or new tires. Then you send me the picture of what they look like. I have no idea what they're supposed to look like. So if you're just sending me the one picture and it's like, hey, the, your tires are at blah, 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 and you need new ones, I'm like, oh, okay. Or now if you send me a picture of what brand new brake pads look like or brand new tires look like, now I can see that difference and there's so much value created there. So I think using that technology, using those tools, um, providing Instagram worthy experience, which I know sounds a little above and beyond, but having a waiting room that I'm actually comfortable in and that I'd be willing to take a photo of myself in and maybe post on social media, like, Hey, getting my oil changed, hashtag adulting or something like that. But having just a clean environment that's welcoming that I would maybe actually do a post about or do a story about, and then my friends would see it. Or if you have, you know, a waiting room that's got like a little stocked refrigerator of sodas or a little snack area or something like that, that looks very welcoming and inviting. Um, really for, I think for the younger generations, that's a lot about the experience. Um, and I, I was talking to somebody about this recently, how when I go in for other services, like I go to the dentist or I go to get my hair done, I'm there through the whole experience, right? I'm, I understand what's happening because I'm watching them do what they're doing and utilizing the tools and the knowledge where I drop my car off. I'm not always with my vehicle for the whole experience. I'm maybe in the waiting room for the whole experience, but I'm not seeing everything that's happening. And so I think finding ways to educate and explain and create the value there about what is going on with your vehicle when you're not with it and, and how educated our employees are and certified and all those things and being able to kind of have a better understanding of what's going on when I'm not with the vehicle. Um, so I think those are all some some really good things that you could do to help millennials be more attracted to your business and then also continue coming back, understanding the, the services that you provide and the value that you provide to them. This episode of the Nolan Podcast is sponsored by Valvoline. You've invested a lot of time and money building your quick lube brand. Are you leaving profit on the table due to labor shortages, limited inventory, or unreliable suppliers? Valvoline can help. Valvoline's premium brand can help streamline your business, drive traffic, and maximize your bottom line while retaining the name and reputation your customers trust. Not only can you get all of your products in one place with Valvoline, but you can also leverage their award-winning ASE certified training programs. To learn more about what Valvoline has to offer, visit partner.valvoline.com or click the link in this episode description. I'm glad you brought up that component of being Instagram worthy too, um, because social media is kind of this whole other 
element of, of running a, a shop in, in many respects. I mean, not, not every shop is on social media, of course, but you see frequently that more and more shops are, um, especially on, I, I see a lot on Facebook, some on Twitter too. And I feel like I see less on Instagram, but I, I'm wondering if you think that that's important for shops to embrace multiple social media channels or how should they approach social media. Maybe they've incorporated it already in their marketing. Maybe it's a totally new thing for them. What's a what's a good way of doing that so that they can appeal to a wide a wide variety of people, so a lot of different generations to really get the word out about their shop in the most efficient way. Um I do think it's important to be on Instagram as well as Facebook. Um they're both connected, so if you're posting to one, you can have it go to the other pretty seamlessly. Um, we have a couple shops that still utilize Twitter, not a lot of them. I think if you have already built um, a following there and it's successful to continue using it, but if you haven't, I don't know that I put it on, the, on my top list of places to be. Um, Instagram's definitely where you're going to be finding your younger um, customers. That's, you know, going to be mo most of the people who are on Instagram, I believe, are under 35. Um, I don't have the statistic on that in front of me, but I want to say it's something along those lines. Um, and then, you know, Facebook, you still want to be on Facebook. Um, utilize those uh, sources to get that information that I was talking about, that experience that maybe sometimes it's hard to convey all of what we do in the conversation we're having on the phone or face-to-face -face with the customer. There are so many um, things that we can educate about on social media. Um, that's where you can really share a lot more about what the experience is like. Um, you can educate on your uh, specialties, things like that. Um, you know, if you're eco-friendly, that's something that younger generations are looking for. I actually just read this this morning that 73% of Gen Z and millennials are willing to pay more for environmentally friendly products. So that's, you know, you can use social media to educate on those kinds of things and to share that information. Um, you can use it to stay connected to your audience, to stay connected to your customers that are already coming back all the time. Um, you know, it's just a place that a lot of people are going for entertainment as well. So you don't want your content to just be automotive, automotive, automotive. I mean, it's great to do that, to educate and to keep yourself in front of people, but also throw some entertaining content on their stuff too, because people aren't always thinking about their getting their oil changed. They aren't always thinking about their car breaking down, those kinds of things. So, um, you know, connect with your community, share things about um, community events that are going on, or if you're involved in that kind of stuff. So I think social media, is, it is something we do hear a lot of like, oh, it's, it's so time consuming, or there's, it's hard to see the ROI on that. But really, it's a lot about your reputation and relationship building and things like that, and increasing your visibility, building your brand awareness, all of that kind of things. So um, it can be time consuming, but there's a lot of things you can do to make it a little easier. There's a lot of tools out there that you can use to schedule. You know, you can sit down and do 15 posts for the month and schedule them all out, out ahead of time. So you're only doing it once a month or, or delegate somebody on your staff to do that or hire somebody to do it for you. There's a, a lot of people, myself included, who do social media management for automotive repair shops. Um, so I think it is still a really great resource. Um, and I'm always surprised when I run into a shop that's not on social media or they're on there, but they only have like a couple posts. Because that is something that I look at when I'm about to go do business, whether it's going to an automotive repair shop or going to a new restaurant. I'm going to look at the reviews and I'm going to look at their social media. So it is still something that we should be um, 
making sure we're representing our business on there. And you got into a couple of maybe the top challenges that people might list out when they're getting into social media, like it being time consuming and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm wondering what are some of the other gripes you hear about with, with people who are just sort of getting into social media or, or trying to expand their shop's presence on social media? What are some of those challenges that you hear about and how would you suggest navigating those? a lot of like, I don't see that it's working. Um, I'm not getting a lot of likes or I'm not getting a lot of engagement or, you know, I'm getting on LinkedIn, I'm getting a ton of impressions, but no actual reactions, things like that. And it, it takes time. It takes time to build that. Um, there are things you can do such as having your, making sure your friends and family are liking your stuff and sharing that for you, you know, utilizing those people who that audience who already loves you and supports you to help you start building that a little bit, your core customers who already are raving about you, having, you know, them like their content, your content and share your content to start building that and start increasing that visibility for you. Um, but it, it does take time to build that and just um, consistency, consistently keep doing it, keep doing it. Don't just, you know, we see oftentimes where shops are really good at it for about a month or two, and then they don't post anything for three months. Um, you know, it's, it's something you've got to stay consistent with and, you know, find the things that work when you go back and look at your insights for the past month, what posts performed really well for over others, you know, and do more of that type of content. That's what people are engaging with and reacting to. And Tying everything we've talked about a little bit together here, just going back to this theme of working with multiple generations, marketing to multiple generations, um, the dynamic of younger people coming into the field and people who've been in the field for a while. Do you have any other tips or pieces of advice for shops as they continue to work with this multi-generational dynamic or anything else you can think of that would be worth mentioning um, along those lines? I think to just be open-minded, to be um, really good at communication and keeping your team on the same page and um, helping each other understand each other, build the respect between your employees and between you and your employees, um, you know, understand what it is that your employees are looking for when they come to work um, and, and being flexible in those options with whether that's, you know, a fantastic healthcare plan or maybe this employee something that's really important to them is a gym membership or, you know, where you might have another employee who doesn't care about that at all, but being able to have options that fit what they're looking for, um, you know, being able to be flexible um, and just like, a, you know, getting to know them and getting to understand them, especially from looking at millennials and Gen Z, when we go to work, we're not really looking for a boss anymore. We're looking for a leader. We're looking for somebody who's going to coach us and give us advice and help us grow and who believes in us and somebody who will help us see the difference that we're making because, um, you know, we're definitely looking to do meaningful work and to make a difference in people's lives. And so when we see that and that we're doing that, it definitely makes us want to come back to work and keep doing what we're doing. Um, appreciation, huge. Make sure you're thanking your employees. You know, I always talk about uh, you've heard the the trophy kids. Millennials were the trophy kids. We got a trophy for everything or we got a gold star for everything that we did. Um, I say now in the workforce, my gold star is that thank you. Like, just thank you for coming in today. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being here. Like, that's the gold star. That's my trophy. That That's enough for me to, to know that I'm appreciated and that what I do matters. Um, and, and just, you know, like keeping that communication open, 
Um, having managers that lead from a place of fear doesn't really work anymore. The, you know, kind of like screaming at your employees, that kind of thing isn't, isn't going to get you very far anymore, especially if you're looking at retaining good people um, and just embracing and understanding the differences and, and celebrating your staff and um, being appreciative and, and respectful. And I have one last question for you here on a slightly different note, but I wanted to mention it. Um, Both you and I were attendees at the Women in Auto Care Leadership Conference several weeks back in Palm Springs. Uh, For those listening who are not familiar with Women in Auto Care, they're a community of the Auto Care Association. Their annual conference was a really great networking opportunity for people across the industry. So, Sarah, I'm wondering, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that conference? Oh my gosh, there were so many. Um, first, just the the networking and meeting so many amazing people and feeling like I have this community behind me who has my back and what I'm doing. Um, I really enjoyed the session that was on self-branding. I thought I took a lot out of that and in, in, um, kind of learning to navigate who I am in my company, but also who I am as an individual and how to brand that on. You know, I've been doing social media and stuff for a long time, but never really focused on myself. So that's something I definitely took away from that. And then um, there was a session on um, imposter syndrome, which for those of you who don't know, my boss is my dad. And I, and I came into the industry kind of in a, in a big shadow of somebody who's very well-respected and, and well-known and, and fantastic at what he does. And so I kind of came in with this, do I really belong here? Do I know what I'm doing? And so listening to other people's stories and having the same imposter syndrome type stuff and, and learning it's okay to to not be who he is because I'm who I am and to be able to stand on my own and, and do what I do. And just, um, it was an amazing event, honestly. I took so much away. I have a notebook full of notes from all of the sessions and just um, can't wait to go again next year. This year was my first one. Um, and yeah, it was phenomenal. Thanks for listening to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. For more content, follow Nolan on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you never miss another. Subscribe to the Nolan Podcast wherever you listen. I'm Associate Editor Hannah Bubser, and I'll talk to you more next time.